You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a podcast all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthily and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome, friends, to the first official episode of 2021. I did a bonus episode last week that was... (laughs) called it a bonus episode but I feel like it was actually just an episode um but that's just how it works right but this is the first first official episode of the year and I'm so excited about the message that it has and that it that it shares but before we jump in let's just say that I am so grateful for you and If you are one who is trying to live healthier this year, I feel like most people do at the beginning of the year. A lot of times they fall off the wagon, but just know that I'm rooting for you. I know you can do it and you got this. So I will also say that I don't think it's always about perfection, but it's about progress. It's about making small steps. So if you're not doing everything at once, that's okay. You know, I think not all personalities work well with that kind of uh, approach, you know. So if you are doing small little incremental changes, that is how you can make really profound, sustainable life changes. So with that being said, we're going to get into today's episode with Daniel E. Kennedy, who is a healthcare executive, counselor, author, filmmaker, and the creator and director of Healthy Long Life, a docu-series that is out now in which they traveled the entire world going to ancient civilizations, uh, different cultures to uncover the health and longevity secrets of these different areas, showcasing them in these films to inspire us who are living in areas that Maybe you don't have these longevity secrets. We don't have the best uh, health outcomes here in America. But hopefully this film can help inspire us to change different things about our lifestyles that could help us live long, happy lives. And Daniel's philosophy is similar to mine in that it's not good enough to live a long, sick life when there's the opportunity to live a healthy, long life. But that starts with education and it starts with changing the way we live. Um, So we chat about all of this. We chat about his upbringing, what inspired him to go down this path. He shares tips on how we can all live a medication-free life. We also discuss his filming the documentary, what he learned on his travels, what he was surprised about. We discuss a little bit of epigenetics, ancient healing traditions, And I think it's a very inspirational chat, especially perfect timing for the beginning of the year. So we can all stay the course or maybe you're starting the course now and this will just help empower you more to take your life and your destiny into your own hands. So without further ado, here is my interview with the wonderful Daniel Kennedy. going with it you know um so yeah that's the story of 2020 right (laughs) just let's let's laugh through it um, oh my god that is definitely 2020 what a year oh gosh um where are you in california uh i'm in san diego so you know fortunately we we still have weather that we can go out and walk on the beach and you know get some fresh air uh so and they're letting you do that are they letting you walk on the beach? <laughs> I don't know if they're enforcing it that strongly. Oh, that's good. But, you know, Thank Governor gosh. Newsom has been uh, very, very strict, trying to do the best for the state, and right. then himself getting caught on I camera, know. not kind of practicing what he preaches. But, yeah. you know, we're all human, and, and we learn. We learn and we change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and just take it all in stride, I suppose. 
um, weird times. But I think that the message that we're going to talk about today is very important always when we're talking about our health, but even more important right now, considering uh, the state of the world and people uh, living in fear of viruses. But, um, you know, taking your health into your own hands and taking responsibility for your life is, you know, obviously huge and huge for what you've done and what you're an advocate for. Um, so, but you've been in the healthcare industry for a while. Were you always on this like, you know, plane of holistic health or nutrition and its impact or how did you get to that, that point? I didn't always live that, but I've always been in it because uh, I was born um, to my parents, but my grandfather and my my mom's dad uh, was Ernesto Contreras, and he is the poster child for alternative cancer treatment in Mexico. He was absolutely the very first doctor and he was caught up in all of the laetrile controversy in the seventies, but he started our hospital waste of hope in 1963. And in 1993, I started to work with my grandfather and he was an oncologist and a pathologist for 60 years. What a career. And I got to work the last seven years with him. So I was really around healthcare uh, in diapers. I used to joke that there were some uh, longtime team members that had, you know, helped change my diapers. I'm like, wow, that's pretty, (laughs) pretty embarrassing, you know, but that explains a lot of my motivation to film Healthy Long Life, um, which is an eight-part docuseries that we filmed in 13 different countries. You know, we went around the world because as a counselor, I've counseled thousands of cancer patients and their family members. And one of the things that I see is they're constantly saying, okay, well, you guys are treating people that already have cancer, but what can we do to prevent cancer? On the personal uh, motivation, This is all on my dad's side of the family, the Kennedys. The Contreras are very, very healthy. And I guess they are, you know, practicing what they preach at the hospital. But the Kennedy side of the family, not the same story. Um, My grandfather, uh, Kennedy, did live a long life. Um, He had Alzheimer's and and I'd go to visit him and and he just like appreciate the visit, but he, he had no clue who I was, but he was still a sweetheart. But my grandmother died when I was only eight years old, and she had um, ovarian cancer, which took her life. And she had three kids, my uncle Roger, the eldest, my dad was the middle child, and then baby sister, my aunt Patricia. Um, Uncle Roger died of pancreatic cancer. My dad had renal cancer, but the tumor was encapsulated in his kidney. So removing the kidney was curative, but then he had skin cancer. And in his last year of life, he had a mass in his lung, but that didn't take his life. What took his life was chronic um, heart failure. And then, um, so that was just last year in April. And well, I guess we're going on two years, sorry. And then two months after that, my uh, aunt Patricia died of uh, stage four melanoma cancer. So, you know, three out of three had cancer. Um, Roger had three kids, my three cousins, and my dad had two kids, my sister and myself. Um, Aunt Patricia didn't have any kids. Uh, But Roger's eldest son, my cousin David, uh, has cancer. He's doing very, very well. He came for, um, he did some conventional treatment in San Diego. And he did some of our alternative medicine at Oasis of Hope Hospital. And he's doing well. He's back on the tennis court. Um, now he's, he's riding a bicycle all around in that fresh air, you know, so that's good. But that was my personal motivation. It's like, you know, doctors might say, well, cancer runs in your family. And I wanted to challenge that. Is it true that, that I don't have a say on whether I get cancer or not? And can't, can I find information that can help me prevent cancer and help my wife be cancer-free and my kids and future grandchildren? So, you know, that's really what it was, the professional motivation of working with people, wanting to help them keep healthy and the personal in my family line. I got to make changes if I want to live a different life than my um, uncles and aunts did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so important for people to learn this message because 
I mean, most, a lot of people are walking around just thinking that it's, you know, my aunt had it, my mom had it, so I'm probably going to get it. And just accepting that as, you know, that's their fate and they don't really make that many changes, you know, because they think that it's out of their hands. Yeah. And we're raised in a system, a healthcare system that you're passive about your health. You know, from the time we're a little kid, you get a a cough, you get a cold, uh, whatever, you go to the doctor, they prescribe you something, you take it, you get well, and you're like, that's it. And you don't think you have a say at all, uh, but you really do. You actually have more to do with your health than doctors ever will. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I found filming Healthy Long Life, I realized this important point, medicine does not promote health. Doctors don't promote health. Medicine fights disease and doctors are trained to fight disease. And now there's a difference between fighting disease or promoting health. Mm -hmm. To promote health, it's all about lifestyle. And there's all of these great experts and this new trend in medical doctors to promote health, you know, wellness doctors. Um, I found this incredible healthcare conference that's held annually. This year it was virtual, obviously. Um, uh, It's called the International Plant-Based Nutrition Healthcare Conference. Mm -hmm. And it was founded by Dr. Scott Stahl, who is in uh, my documentary, and he also has an organization called uh, the Plantrition Project. And he defines plantrition as a physician who uses nutrition or plant nutrition uh, to heal. And we believe that so much at Oasis of Hope uh, that we have rooftop gardens. And so we grow our own organic produce. So we prescribe this to our patients. It's from the rooftop garden to their plate. Mm-hmm. And then we have this cooking bar where we teach our patients uh, how to cook. And then we have our free app, which is the same name as the docu- documentary series, Healthy Long Life, um, that has all of the cooking demo videos and the and the recipes on it. So even your listeners could download that for free for oh, Apple great. or Android. Yeah, that's awesome. So for your documentary, so I, I started watching a little bit of it uh, and it's amazing. Um, and I oh, love, I'm so the, glad. Yeah, I love it. And I lo- I did um, T. Colin Campbell's plant-based nutrition program at, with at e- Cornell. Cornell. Yeah. E. Cornell. You yeah, know, that's well. the top program in all of E. Cornell. T. Colin no, Campbell's I- program is the number one. Wow. That's awesome. Well, that makes it's me feel exciting good. because it, mean, exciting. it means that things are changing in our country. Gosh. People are starting to be proactive instead mm-hmm. of reactive. Absolutely. So, what was your experience? Oh, I thought it was great. The courses, the material, the way it was presented, the videos, doctors, everything about it. And their online portal is so easy to use. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, um, encourage some other people to get to do that course. So again, it's kind of like the ripple effect. Um, and like I was saying before we, we hopped on, I had had my own, I mean, oftentimes that's how people, I think sometimes get into health and wellness, either they personally have an issue or a family member does. And then that inspires them to, to research and learn as much as they can or whatnot. Um, and yeah, and then it's kind of like the ripple effect. I mean, my mom, uh, was pre-diabetic. She is no longer. So that's a good thing. That's amazing. You know, people don't know that you can absolutely reverse just through nutrition, Right. you know, and uh, one of our interviews was with a lifestyle medicine Institute founder, Dr. Hans Deal. And he said, you know, they are always talking about sugar and diabetes and you know you have to lay off the sweets and all that and he's and the like, fruit they even demonize fruit fruit yeah and he's like give me give me anyone who has diabetes that will actually work with me and we're going to start talking about meats and fats and things like that you know and people don't understand that our body has insulin receptors but when you're eating all these animal proteins and fats it blocks those receptors and that's why you, you know your body can be producing the insulin but you can't receive it. Exactly. Exactly. So that's exciting to hear about your mom. Yeah. And then I have another family member who is, he is actually type two diabetic and he, I don't know if he'll ever make a change. You know, there's just some people that I don't know, they're just not in the space to change their lives, I guess, you know, I don't know what it is. 
if they can find some happiness in other ways, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all making choices and I don't make perfect choices uh, on my health. Sometimes no. right. <laughs> emotionally, I just go off lifestyle. I don't right. call it diet anymore because, you know, dieting I, yeah, is, is yeah. a failed yeah. plan. Oh, if no, you, that's it, recipe for disaster. <laughs> it, it, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to steal that from you. Recipe for disaster. Oh my God, after I just said it, actually, that does, yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. You know, like dieting is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Boom, you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go, all Rebecca. the memes and all the little. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, but I take it a day at a time. Because yeah. um, I, in self-awareness, I understand in this, it runs in my family that eating the wrong foods and overeating has this heavy emotional component, Mm. you know? So if I'm stressed or I've been in an argument or I get worried about something, it is so hard not to reach out for some cookies or something, you know, and, oh, I'll just stop by for a coffee and nothing else. And you see the bakery bar. Mm. I always tell people when I'm in heaven, I'm going to be at the bakery bar. I'm going to be having pastries (laughs) Not even the sweet ones, just bread. Oh my goodness, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I, I decided to make a, a personal choice, and that was, I want to live as long as I can without taking any medication. Mm-hmm. And my cholesterol levels were what doctors say are unhealthy, although cholesterol is kind of a controversial thing about what the levels really should be. Yeah, and then you- there's, right? I mean, there's all kinds of things. Yeah. I guess now the thought is that you have to have the different cholesterols in the right balance, but I, right. I'm not good at that balancing act. So I just look at the totals, um, triglycerides off the chart, pre-diabetic myself, uh, with glucose, um, you know, nearing 110 fasting when it should be under a hundred and doctors trying to put me on Lipitor and other medications. And I thought, well, here it is, you know, here's the choice. That always reminds me of the scripture where God's like, here's your choice, life or death, but choose life, you know? And I'm like, here's the choice, health or live the rest of my life on medications so that I can continue to eat all of these foods that are delicious, but are detrimental to your health. I mean, come on, deep fried onion rings, deep fried shoe leather, anything deep fried <laughs> is going to taste good. Because you know? it... Look, if sin wasn't fun, nobody would do it. <laughs> but I, but I want to, you know, I, I got this vision for my life and I'm like, hopefully one day I'll be a grandpa. I want to be a grandpa that's out there teaching my grandkids how to surf. And I want to be healthy and strong and I don't want to live long and sick. I want to live long and well is there anything that I can do to live a medication-free life? And I'll tell you what, I'm on lifestyle, good lifestyle most of the time. Um, my normal routine is stop eating before 7 p.m. My first meal of the day is a blueberry and almond uh, Greek yogurt, not dairy, but an almond Greek yogurt and kale at 11 a.m. And I mm. became addicted to that versus being addicted to, you know, like a bacon croissant or something. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Fasting glucose down to 93 instead of 107 or 108. Cholesterol normal, triglyceride uh, normal. You know, so it's, it, it is a choice. Right. But somebody really told me, be careful how you talk about that because, and that was Dr. Dean Ornish, you know, because I was saying, so illness is a choice. And he said, hold on, that can already make a person feel defeated because it, that statement, illness is a choice, you're loading them up with guilt that they did something to deserve that. So, you know, so even in the, in very subtle things, these, these experts, you know, Dean Ornish, I mean, whoa, he personally taught me be careful how you speak about things. Don't make statements that would defeat a person and make them feel that they're at blame. Give them a pathway 
and encouragement and affirming statements that they can get healthy. And, and that right there, like makes me feel more positive, just hearing myself say it, but I'm remembering Dean Ornish say it to me. And I'm like, what an amazing teacher. And by the way, T. Colin Campbell, biggest sweetheart you'll ever meet. Oh. And his wife, Karen is such a sweetie. Yeah. They say, I mean, he, that all of those doctors and definitely T. Colin Campbell, just his energy is like so warm, you know? Yeah. And his depth of, of knowledge. And, you know, I mean, there are very few scientists in the world that did a longitudinal study with tens of thousands of people tracked for over 20 years in like 600 different provinces in China. Right. And when I went to film in China, um, I called up Dr. Campbell. I'm like, Dr. Campbell, any recommendations? And he wrote emails on my behalf to the researchers in China to set up to receive me. I'm like, oh. Dr. Campbell, I can't oh believe you opened oh China gosh. to me. That was just, <laughs> you know, right. w- when you see people like that, that are so famous, but they're so accessible because ultimately their reward is seeing people get healthy. Yes. They're not in it for, for the, the fame money. or the fortune or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they They're actually the real, care. I know. Yeah. Genuine article. I know. I mean, I see, I feel like that with, um, with any of these doctors who are, you know, advocating for, for change, you know, within the person that, that they, like you said, you know, that, they, that you have the power within you. You don't have to be on all of these very expensive drugs um, I mean, again, like, of course there is a time and a place where they could be necessary and are, you know, can be life-saving, but long-term, you know, they're, they're not. And yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where I go back to my conclusion that medicines don't promote health, but they do fight disease, right. you know? So even at Oasis of Hope Hospital, we do use some pharmaceuticals, uh, there's no doubt, or we'll do a surgical uh, intervention. A good example is if a patient has colorectal cancer and they have a full blockage in their colon, if you give them lots of juice, you won't heal them with juice therapy. You'll kill them because there's no way that the juice can pass through their body, you know, or, or the nutrients because the colon is blocked. So, right. you know, our doctor, our surgical oncologist, Francisco Contreras, may go in and do a resection of the colon temporarily, but he has not cured the cancer. He has just saved the person's life. And now it's time for us to start with our foods and our juice Mm. therapies. And we do things like whole body hyperthermia and ozone Mm. and high dose vitamin C. So all these natural things to position the body to heal itself. So at our hospital, we don't heal people. We give all the needed resources for the body to heal itself. Yep. Amazing. So you traveled all, how many countries did y'all go to? Um, I filmed in 13 countries uh, and I was just trying to see, is there any commonality or anything that ties knowledge together? Because I have this philosophy that when truth is imparted to the world, you can find that truth in every civilization in, mm. in some form. And so that's what I really did. And I did go out to visit... Uh, you know, I was inspired by the book, The Blue Zones, no doubt. So I went to Sardinia, which is a blue zone. Uh, and I went to longevity capitals like Japan. But I was also very interested in uh, countries with ancient healing traditions. Like, is there anything that ancient healing traditions can teach us that we can use for our modern day health uh, healthcare crisis? Uh, so I went... Oh and interviewed some Mayan priest in Chichen Itza and the pyramids. Mexico gave me a a two-hour permit to film the pyramids with no general public. Like we were alone with the pyramids that the Mayans built. That was crazy. Uh, We went to China. We filmed on the Great Wall of China. Uh, And we were interviewing traditional Chinese medicine specialists, one that is... Um, a, a TCM specialist that's actually a doctor for the uh, Chinese gymnastics uh, Olympic gymnastic team. Wow. That was pretty cool. That's really cool. I'm like, man, if I were on a gymnastics team, I'd like somebody that knew about <laughs> acupressure and all these <laughs> crazy things, right? Uh, and then we went to to India, and one of the most um, 
eye-opening things that I really enjoyed was this this person that wasn't a doctor, but she was like a historian. And she took us through uh, one of the markets, big open markets in, in Mumbai or Bombay. And uh, she took us through all of the healing spices. And what I learned there is that everybody knows how to heal with spices there. And wow. they know what leaf to use and what root to use. And they're not dependent on pharmaceuticals. And it's passed down. Mm. Uh, generation to generation. So there is a ton of knowledge of things that are not hard to do that can help you live long, but also live healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. America doesn't have, our culture doesn't have any of that. (laughs) Really. I feel like, you know, well, it's, it's not the main, you know, stream, but there, but since America is such a I guess they call it a salad, not a melting pot anymore because- <laughs> Oh, I've never heard you know, that. Well, yeah, because the, the cultures kind of keep separate and they keep True. their own traditions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Here in San Diego, uh, I heard a report that in San Diego, there's 75 countries that are actively spoken like as their first language of Whoa. choice. And so well. you can, if you look, but you have to look into cultures that may not be your cultures. Mm-hmm. It's alive and well, uh, right. and you can find it. But what I tried to do is get all of this and put it together in a presentation that would make it accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tried to take a lot of that legwork out of the equation for, for you and everyone else. What was the most surprising thing that you discovered when in your travels as far as like maybe something that you didn't, I mean, you know, like turmeric and things like that, that, you know, a lot of us are familiar with, but what was the one that you were like, what? I didn't know about that. So experts don't all agree with each other. And that's, (laughs) that's a little bit confusing. And when I set out to film this, I had a different title. This documentary was going to be called eating well, living long. Because Mm. what I believe, my belief as I went out there is it's all about the food. Um, Even in in our docuseries, you'll see Dr. Michael Clapper say, it's the food, it's the food, it's the food, like that. Yeah, he does, yeah. (laughs) But even Dr. Clapper will then expand and say, well, it's more than that. And so as I was traveling the world, I realized that it's not just the food, the food, the food. It's the whole lifestyle. Uh, And so I go out to Sardinia, you know, the blue zone where there's more men age 100 years or older concentrated than anywhere else in the world. And I'm like, they're vegan. I know it. They're just, and guess what? The Sardinian specialty is a baby suckling pig on a spit, a roasted pig. Oh, no. And it killed me. Oh, my ears me. are bleeding. My ears it, are bleeding. <laughs> it killed me. You know, it killed and, me. Oh. Yeah, and it kills the poor little baby. I know. Baby poor little pig. baby. What did Piglet ever do to, to <laughs> Winnie the Pooh to deserve this, right? <laughs> well, would you say that's surprising? You know, because, so I had to take a deeper look. Yeah. I'm like, really, what's going on here? Right. And I had the chance to meet this one sweet gentleman, Luigiano, Luigiano, 102 <laughs> years old and his family. And then I hung out with Adolfo and Vitalio Melis. That, that, and my crew, by the way, um, they're, they're Italian from Rome oh, uh, cool. because that was my first shoot. And I love them so much. Francesco is my cinematographer and Alessio is my audio engineer. And I love them so much. I'm like, would you just travel the world with me? And they (laughs) hate it. They would laugh so much when I would do my Italian accent because it was so (laughs) terrible. But I can't resist. I can't. Francesco. So we were there. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So, you know, I'm with Adolfo and Vitalio uh, Melis. Adolfo is 96 years old. By now, he's like 99. And Vitalia, his kid brother, 92. And we're in the cafe, the family cafe, where uh, Adolfo works every day. So, of course, I asked him to make me an espresso. I mean, we're in Sardinia, and he's, that's what he does. And it was delicious. Yeah. And I was asking, you know, what are the keys? And 
he said, well, I start every day with a prayer asking for God to bless me with good health and to bless my family. Mm -hmm. And family is so important. And keeping active, which he was, he was working. Namelli's family had uh, a recognition from the Guinness Book of World Records for having the it's hard to explain this, but if you added up the ages of the brothers and sisters that were alive, so, you know, Adolfo is 96, and then you add 92 to it for Vitalio, and then you have their brothers and sisters, you add it all up, it was 832 years. And so they were like the world's oldest living brothers and sisters or siblings in the world. And as I'm interviewing them, they start to talk about how they grow their own food and Vitalia says, do you want to see it? Sure. Pa- let's hop in his car. So the 92-year-old is at the wheel driving <laughs> us, and he takes his little Fiat Panda off-roading, oh my gosh. which it's not a, a four-wheel drive. It's this little <laughs> tiny European car, and they pull up to a gate, and you know the 96-year-old pops out to open up the gate and let us through, and they take us through this amazing, beautiful family farm. And I started to understand some things. They don't shop at the supermarket. They grow all their own produce. And it's not just the Mellies. It's like everybody in Sardinia. And they do eat cheese, but they make it that day with the milk uh, from their family goat or family goats. And so it's fresh. It's not processed. It's not pasteurized. They're not treating their goats with antibiotics and things like that. And yes, they do eat meat but like very small portions and maybe maximum once a week. And what about that suckling uh, roasted pig? That's only like for special occasions, like a wedding or something. So that's like a couple times a year. And again, they just don't overeat. Their Mm. serving sizes for us are like the appetizer. We'd be like, is that the appetizer? And they're like, no, that's the whole meal. And then they keep active. So imagine these 90 year old, they're still working their own family farm. Wow. I mean, so really that's where just, I changed it to right. from eating well, living life to something more inclusive, which is mm-hmm. healthy, long life. And then I figured, well, isn't that what we all want? Right. And it's just, I mean, getting back to, you know, our roots. I mean, my grandparents, definitely had like their life was like that, you know, and then as we've, as farming practices have changed and, you know, supermarkets and fast food and uh, TV dinners or, you know, frozen meals and stuff. And then people just have gotten so um, used to convenience that it's just, you know, in our busy lives. But I mean, it's just kind of like shifting your mindset of, and, and also like getting back to what's important. I mean, whether that's your food or also your family and the spiritual connection. I mean, stress is like a huge factor. Like I honestly, I think more so, uh, I've realized that I think stress is almost, I mean, like you could eat all the kale in the world, right? But if you're stressed out, it's not going to do, it's not going to do very much good, you know? I mean, it'll help a little bit, but you know, the stress and disconnect from family and loneliness Oh, anyways, I could go on. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly what I found. Mm-hmm. Um, and in these cultures, the stress level was way, way down. And, right. you know, they were just kind of going through the day and they weren't rushing through it. They were they were enjoying it. And one story that that really stands out in my mind about Sardinia is we were driving from town to town. And we were about three miles out of town, up in the mountainous roads of Sardinia. Sardinia, it's an island, but they they have granite mountains that go, you know, very high altitude. So it's amazing. And we're in these windy roads and we have to stop because this group of men are crossing the two-lane road with their sheep and their goats. And they were in no hurry. So, (laughs) I mean, we basically got out of the car to wait and we got the cameras to film a little bit um, because there was no moving them. They were going to be done when they were done. So we spent about 15 minutes there. Oh my gosh. Then we drove another three miles to the next town. And I realized, well, these guys were at least three miles away from the nearest town, which means to get there and back, they were walking six miles 
and they the youngest guy out there was over 80 um so they were in their 80s and 90s and they'd been walking you know six miles that day and i asked in the next interview about that and they said oh yeah so in the morning they take them up to the grazing area and in the evening they walk back and get them which in my math and i didn't get very good grades in school, but you know, they're, they're like walking 12 miles a day in their eighties in the mountains, not just flat yeah. land. Right. And, and that's just, they're in their flow and they're doing wow. it and they're laughing and joking, you know, and these guys that they're in their eighties, uh, one of them said, well, yeah, these are my buddies from when we were kids. And so they shared a life together and the, and a social connection Wow. And even before the pandemic, most of us in America are just so isolated. Mm. And, and that's why, you know, Facebook was supposed to connect us again, but it really keeps us uh, isolated. Like we don't know about mm. living life and doing life in groups uh, like other cultures do. And that, you know, feeds into our stress. And then we wear our busyness like a badge of honor. You know, and when people approach me and they, the first words out of their mouth is, I know you're really busy. I'm sorry to bother you. I'm like, I'm sorry that I transmit that to you, that you would think I'm too busy for a human interaction. You know, I must be transmitting something or you're making a wrong assumption. Right. And oftentimes people will say like, if you're trying to get together with somebody and they're like, sorry, I've just been so busy. I can't, you know, and. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, it's an, ex, it's a, a form of excuse, but it's also like, it's like cringeworthy, you know, that that's just how everything's become. Like our culture has become just, it's, everybody's stressed out and everybody's too busy for, you know, enjoyment or enjoying life. Yeah. And, and again, that's our culture. Like we feel we have to, mm-hmm. uh, we have to be proactive about being busy and making a, a buck but we're reactive yeah. about about taking care of our health. And, right. um, you know, I read this uh, this quote that lots of people have seen from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said, your first wealth is health. And I'm treating patients that have cancer. And, and they'll tell you, you know, I discovered when I was diagnosed with cancer that nothing else mattered more than my health. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can be your entrepreneur, you can be out there, killing it to make money but if you lose your health it's all over and then what did you do it for right Right. and so people may look at 2020 and they're probably all tempted to label it as the worst year in in my lifetime but i think that five to ten years from now most of us will look back and say 2020 was the best year of my life because I stopped everything because I didn't have a choice and I reevaluated and I slowed down and I connected with my family. Like we'd never were eating any meals together. And suddenly we were eating lots of meals together. Um, I tried to even get my, my, my kids are not youngsters. They're young adults. Um, I have a college graduate um, in graduate school and the other is in her second year of college. So I failed. I tried to get them to play board games with me. <laughs> I mean, to we're no trying avail. to connect more. Oh, yeah, no. it didn't happen. They don't like board games? Oh, maybe you chose the wrong ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll work that out in some family counseling sessions. About <laughs> I, always, I always was like, I just didn't know how to raise them. I was a bad dad. I don't know. Oh, what's no. Up. But, but come on, they don't even want to play Monopoly. Oh man, maybe it's Monopoly is kind of a long game. You need to choose a game that doesn't take so long. Maybe that's why. <laughs> uh, absolutely, or I need to bribe them. Or that, either one. <laughs> yeah, back to the the um the lifestyle thing. A few years ago, I feel like that term hustling became the thing, you know. And that when that word came out, and people were like, "Oh, you got to keep hustling." Hashtag hustling. I was like. Oh no, like if you look up the definition of hustle, that is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, I think this year has changed. I think that is could be hopefully the silver lining for a lot of people is that they've been able to slow down and and recognize, you know, what's really important to them, hopefully, you know. 
Yeah. And in a light that may be difficult to process because I do, um, I have some extended family members that have passed away. Uh, I have a personal friend that, that, um, you know, went into ICU and was on ventilators from COVID-19 and did not survive. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, he was a person that, that met all of those comorbidity, um, you know, and, and what we're seeing through the statistics is like, if you, um, have diabetes, heart disease, cancer, uh, or you're obese, your probability, uh, of not making it through COVID-19 increases. And I don't want to say that to scare anyone. I want to say that to motivate you, you know, you, what, if you make some lifestyle changes, if you would watch healthy long life and hear those experts and do a lot of what they say, you can absolutely lower your risk for COVID-19, um, at least from death of it. I don't know how much we can lower our risk. If you're exposed to somebody, you may get it, but you know you can recover much better. And I'm telling you, I was pre-diabetic and I'm not anymore through lifestyle medicine. So I'm trying to live that. And I'm thinking, you know, this is how we're going to keep ourselves as safe as possible. Absolutely. I mean, it should be an inspiration to people, you know, I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I feel like m- maybe people aren't going to watch my docuseries and make big changes. I feel like my goal, if you'd say, well, what are you hoping for? Where are the results? My goal is to give people a little nudge mm-hmm. and that's it. Because I feel like through life, if you meet enough people that turn their life around, each one of them will give you a nudge. Like if you hear Rebecca's story, you're going to get a nudge. And if you watch my series or read my books, you'll get a little nudge. But eventually you might think, I can do this. I'm going to do Mm -hmm. this for myself. Yeah, absolutely. When you see other people who've, you know, overcome crazy odds or, you know, reversed illness or, um, cured cancer or whatever. I mean, absolutely. Every time you, you learn about people who have done it, there's no, it's, it's absorbed into your subconscious, whether or not, you know, you, maybe you brush it off and you're like, oh, they're just, you know, whatever, but it is affecting you for sure. Yeah. And, you know, something that really motivated me was an interview that I did with a researcher at the Max Planck Institute in Germany. And we got into epigenetics. So this is genetic information that uh, results from lifestyle changes that you make or environmental issues that you're exposed to. And it's information, genetic information that sits on top of the genes. And he showed me data from research that they've done. And it's, he said that if you make lifestyle changes today and then you have kids, that uh, information of your lifestyle change will be passed down to your kids through epigenetics. And, and eventually that uh, through generations will become, will replace the genes that maybe had tendencies to make you vulnerable to illnesses. Oh. And I thought that was such powerful data to, wow. to take a look at, at the actual Institute where they were doing that research. So wow. That's really I've cool. already had my kids Uh, Like I said, but you know, this could affect my grandkids if I can, well, I can't even get my girls to play board games with me. So, (laughs) but, but I, I think they will, they'll, they'll see, you know, how I've made changes and I think they'll be inspired to make changes and hopefully this can, you know, slowly get rid of any type of, of uh, mutated genes that might be in our, in our downline. Yeah. So if you had to name if you had to say five ways, what, what would be your top five ways, I suppose, to add healthy years to your life? Um, the first one is to be proactive and, and realize that medicine is not going to help you uh, thrive. It's just going to save your life from some disease initially, but you have to adapt lifestyle changes to promote health mm-hmm. and live disease-free. The next one is a point that is the only thing that all experts that I interviewed agree on. And that is we have to uh, reduce the number of calories that we're taking in. And, you know, sometimes 
they're like people that say, you can eat as much as you want if you eat the right foods. That does not conflict with what I'm saying um, when I talk about caloric restriction, because a cup full of donuts versus a cup full of kale is a completely different caloric load and glycemic load, right? So, I mean, kale almost has zero calories no matter how much you eat. So you can eat a ton of kale. <laughs> as much kale as you want. <laughs> but who would want to? Who would huh? want to? I don't know. I couldn't do that much. I like That's, kale, but not that much. <laughs> exactly. Um, but caloric excess uh, is really what is cutting life short. So if you reduce how much you're eating, that's what all the experts around the world say, portion mm -hmm. size. Um, but then you can take it a step further and decide what are you going to eat in that portion. Uh, and so that comes to my next point, And that is learn about what foods heal and what foods harm and fill up on healing foods. And when I was trying to make a lifestyle change, I got this great tip from a health coach. And he said, look, if you know that you're going out and you're going to be served a dinner that's unhealthy, before you eat that unhealthy meal, fill your, your gut up with things like broccoli. And he said, broccoli is this amazing safety net that will absorb and help you eliminate so many unhealthy things. Yes. And he's like, but also you just won't eat everything that's served to you if you go to that you know, family get together where you know it's, there's not going to be anything healthy. If you go full on healthy foods, you won't eat that much. Uh, so yeah, learn about healing foods. And um, a number of our experts like Dean Ornish and Michael Clapper were talking about how the science now has identified nutrients and uh, healing foods that can turn bad genes off and healing foods that can turn good genes on. So that's really important. Mm -hmm. uh, the next thing is connection. I saw that with these families in um, Sardinia, their family connections, their connections with friends and their spiritual connection, all of that support, that social support and the spiritual support really combats anxiety. And you said, Rebecca, stress, which is such a, a big one. So big. And number five, be active. And I shared that about, it's not just about going to a gym. It might be about walking wherever you are a few miles a day, but just get out there, you know, every day. Uh, and number six, be a refined hippie. Uh, <laughs> I, I just learned that today on a podcast with Rebecca. <laughs> You're adding a new one. It's not five anymore. It's six. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, well, that, I mean, the refined hippie part, I mean, you know, I definitely think that should be added in. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Most people don't. I mean, you, I don't know if you know what a refined hippie is, but um, I mean... You can you can you can imagine what it is. I guess. <laughs> Just caring about the caring about the planet, caring about your body, but you can also you know like the finer things in life at the same time. You know, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You can you can hug a tree, but you can still exactly enjoy some uh, faux leather Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they have that. But um, I have some faux leather shoes that I had on earlier. So, <laughs> well, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, so the the Jocu series Healthy Long Life is on Amazon Prime. Did, when did it come out? Just I mean, super recent, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just came out uh, in October. But there's nice. still three episodes that will be released in 2021. So there's more to look oh. forward to. Uh, if you cool. don't have Prime Video, if you have the Apple TV box, the, yeah. the actual black box, mm -hmm. go to the app section like you were going to look up Netflix or, or Prime Video. But when you get onto the app uh, button, search the words Healthy Long Life. And our series pulls up just like it was its own Netflix. It's like oh, its own wow. streaming service. And you can download it for free. And that already has the three bonus episodes. So you can, oh, that's the little insight tip. Ooh, secret yeah. tip there. <laughs> and to make it, you know, really, really easy, all you have to do is visit my website, healthylonglife.com. And there's two buttons, one that says watch now. And the other is uh, for free resources where you can download a PDF of my new book or get my um, free cooking recipe. Uh, there's nothing for sale on there. 
yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's lots of stuff that could help you. So please visit us at healthylonglife.com. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can just click on whatever the bird or whatever that's on, on <laughs> whatever that little, little icon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The camera, the bird, the, the, the F, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> whatever those things are. <laughs> awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. Well, it was a lot of fun uh, meeting you, Rebecca, and, and thanks for just sharing your story with your listeners and for bringing all of this information because people need uh, hope for health and you can be healthy. Um, and that's what we're here to do is, is show you some easy things you can do. 100%. Absolutely. Appreciate it so much. Thank peace you. Plants. All right. Peace and plants. I love that. <laughs> What a great way to start the new year with some serious inspiration. Uh, Daniel was such a joy to talk to. He's so much fun. He has such great energy. And of course, I absolutely love his mission. And he just genuinely wants to help people. He genuinely cares about transforming people's lives and educating them with the fact that we don't have to be a slave to pharmaceuticals. We don't have to be slaves to our diagnoses, you know, quote. We can overcome these things if we just give our body the tools to do so, you know, and that is through a mind-body-spirit approach, really. I mean, it's all these things. It's, you know, what we eat, which is so terribly important, of course, but it's also how we're living, you know, it's our lifestyles. So I... I had such a great time chatting with him. I will put all of the information um, of how to learn more about him in the docuseries in the show notes. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you have enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. If you're listening to the episode, share it on your social media um, all of these things help again with SEO. I've said it before. <laughs> uh, it just helps more people become aware of the podcast and learn about the same things that you and I have been learning about. So I would greatly appreciate that. And then of course, if you're feeling really froggy, you could leave a review again, that helps with SEO as well. So thank you so much. And we will chat again soon. Until next time, peace and plants. <laughs> <laughs>